Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, Nicole, welcome back. And I just want to say I'm excited about this again. These case studies are fascinating. No, oh, I'm glad people are liking them. They're a lot of fun in real life to follow the progression of these horses. Always, always. It's just, and, and to read the story and see how the horse responds. So I'm glad we're doing this again. I think we're going to try to do one a month and tell the story of a horse and how they responded uh, with the changes that that the tribute team has has recommended. Just to jump into it, can we talk about, now this horse's name is Asia, correct? Correct. All right. Beautiful name. Can we just give a little bit of background on this horse and its history? to the listeners? Sure. So she was a 20-year-old Tennessee walking horse mare. And this is actually kind of a cool story. So she was the childhood horse of one of our team members. So one of our equine specialists had sold her years and years earlier. And I think it was two owners later reached out and said, hey, I, I can't keep her anymore. I'm looking to sell her. Are you interested in getting her back? And she was like, yes, absolutely. Well, she did. And that allowed us to do this kind of 30-day transformation very hands-on. So it was one of our team members' horses that we actually followed this story. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, I can't wait to learn more. Learn more. And and just reading the history, it it was, again, fascinating. But let's say an owner has a horse they're concerned with. How should they contact the, the team there? There are lots of different ways to reach out. You can give us a call. You can send us a Facebook message to our Tribute Equine Nutrition page. Or you can send us an email at info at All of those will go to one of our super friendly, very helpful equine specialists. And they'll be able to answer all your questions. If you have a really weird one, they will give me a call and I'll jump in and help answer as well. So, you know, always happy for people to reach out. Right, right. And then we get more of these case studies and we can tell the story so we can help educate more people about them. Jumping right into the, into Asia, I guess we can talk about, you know, just setting this up. What were they feeding her? And what was her body condition? And I guess we can even talk about the tribute wellness score. You know, look just looking at her basics before you made the changes. Yep. So if you look at her before picture, I would have called her a body condition score of seven. So one would be emaciated, nine would be morbidly obese. She's pretty darn fat. I mean, if you look at her, she's basically just this one smooth tube of horse and you really had couldn't find her ribs <laughs> if you pressed it on there. Um, you know, her oh, muscling. Like of her those, t- many of those. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Her muscling looked okay over her top line. Um, But the other notable thing when you look at this mare is she has a really big crest. And if you were to feel down that crest, you could feel a dramatic difference in the type of tissue. So we would have actually called her, her a crest score three. In this case, a crest score of zero would be ideal because those are metabolically active fat pockets. It's what we call regional adiposity. And I think it was probably it was two podcasts ago, we talked about 
equine metabolic syndrome and how having that crest significantly increased the risk that that horse might be metabolic. So that's something that really stands out to me when I look at her. Not only is she overweight, but she has that big metabolic crusty neck as well. In terms of diet, I mean, it was a um, killing her with love type of diet. <laughs> Always, yes. Um, so she was turned out on lush pasture and she was getting a scoop of sweet feet a day. How big the scoop was, I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's clearly not the diet that we would think of as ideal for a horse in this situation. So she's already getting lots of calories from that lush pasture. And then on top of that, the sweet feet is pretty low in nutrition, but high in calories, especially from those sugars and starches. And again, the high sugar starch meals also increase your risk of developing metabolic syndrome. So those are all things that I'm concerned about just looking at this horse. So not only did we make some dietary recommendations, you know, during those first 30 days, she had a vet checkup, got her feet done, all of that good stuff. And that vet checkup included some blood work. So it, it, it's funny because you, you, you can kill a horse with too much kindness. You know, it's just, you love them so much. And I could just see the owners like, I want to make sure they get enough. It's like our pets. You know, we overfeed our cats and dogs. We tend to overfeed horses. So that is pretty typical. I've seen plenty of those types of horses in my life. So what were some of the underlying health conditions they found? So, so you already said she's looking metabolic. You did that crest score of three. And you're right. Two weeks ago, we talked about that in the EMS podcast. So what did the veterinarians find or, or what has the owners found out about any underlying health conditions? Yep. So the good news was that she was not insulin resistant at this time. Of course, the longer we fed her that diet, the more at risk she was of becoming insulin resistant. However, she was diagnosed with Cushing's. Okay. So we have Cushing's horse. We haven't talked about Cushing's in the podcast, and I believe we will in the future. You briefly just try to cover <laughs> it. And it's, so, it's so hard to cover in just like, you know, a couple minutes. But if you can just kind of describe it, and I guess from a nutritionist standpoint, you know, what does that mean to you? Sure. So Cushing's, it actually has this long, fancy name, pituitary pars intermedia dysfunction. A lot of times you see it by the acronym PPID. And in those horses, the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland don't communicate properly. These are both structures located in the brain. And what happens is they overproduce some hormones, and then there's this cascade of metabolic effects in the horse that happen. So, you know, the most typical symptom, and you don't see this till more end stage Cushing's, but those horses with like that long shaggy hair coat, that's probably the number one symptom. Interestingly enough, laminitis is the second most common Cushing's clinical sign after that excess hair growth. Not all Cushing's horses are insulin resistant though. And, you know, we don't fully understand how Cushing's can lead to insulin resistance. So generally as a rule, when I'm told that a horse 
is Cushing's. I just assume it is insulin resistant or will become that way. So I'm going to feed it that lower NSC diet. So we're going to think about how many sugars are in our forage. We're going to choose a lower NSC concentrate to keep that part of the diet low. The only other kind of interesting nutritional impact is we do see muscle wasting, particularly along the top line, pretty frequently in Cushing's horses. So there are a lot of situations where I will add some additional essential K or wholesome blends balancer to give a big boost of those amino acids to help support their muscle. Now in this particular mare, like you're not seeing those dramatic long hair coat muscle wasting. Some Cushing's horses have trouble keeping weight on. Clearly this one does not. Um, But those are all things that we would think about. And, you know, we have learned that waiting until a horse has that long hair coat, they're pretty far in the disease process. So you can test a lot sooner and pick up early Cushing's, which can be pretty well managed with medication. So we don't have to wait until that horse really looks like a really, really Cushing's horse to do that preemptive testing. Um, in fact, I have an older gelding that I've tested him, you know, once every year, every other year, and he's 24 and he was just diagnosed this year. And I'm pretty sure my vet was like, really? He doesn't look like a Cushing's horse. Well, he called me and was like, so his numbers are off the chart. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Why don't you come by the clinic and pick up your percent tomorrow? Right. Um, right, right. So yeah, like not all Cushing's horses do look dramatically like that. Now, okay. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's sometimes it's just, you know, you can't detect it and you don't know it unless some of this more subtle stuff you can see. So here we have Asia, body condition score of seven. She's a crest neck score of three, a Cushing's horse, but you suspect it. So, you, you know, this, this took time. She's on lush pasture. She's on sweet feed. Okay. What's the first thing you changed in her diet? So, you know, day one that she came in, we switched her to essential K. It's our ration balancer, highly concentrated in nutrients, very low feeding rate, which makes it the lowest calorie way we can get those nutrients into the horse. Cause don't forget just because she's obese doesn't mean that she still doesn't need those trace minerals, amino acids, vitamins. So we switched her to essential K. The other thing we did was we put her in a dry lot and we limited the amount of hay she was eating. So she actually got only 1% of her body weight on a dry matter basis. So that roughly equates for her, you know, desired weight is 900 pounds. So we fed her about 10 pounds of hay per day, split into multiple meals for that first month. The um, Cushing's diagnosis kind of came partway through the month. She didn't start medication actually until it was right after this after picture was taken. So what you're seeing here is simply the nutritional transformation. And then she was started on the medication moving forward right about that 30 day mark. And just for the listeners, we will put that image in the show notes so you can click on the link and you'll see the transformation, how she changed just over 30 days, right? So what did you see over those 30 days? So this is a really nice transformation because one, the mare lost weight. So she went from a body condition score of seven to a body condition score of six. We would like her to lose a little bit more, but now we're back into that healthy range. The other thing we see is that crest score went down as well. So that 
big fatty crest. It's not gone, but it has certainly decreased in that month. So now she's a crest score of one. In addition to that, just visually looking at this horse, you can see an improvement in her coat quality. So she's a lot shinier as well as an improvement in her muscle. So her top line didn't change very much, but you can certainly see it through her shoulders. And if you stood behind her, you could see it through her gaskin, through her stifle as well. So overall, after the 30 days, she lost weight and she just looked like a healthier horse. That shiny glow of good health was there that wasn't previously. Now, Nicole, as, as, as an owner, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, wow, nine pounds, 10 pounds of hay. That's not a lot for a horse. Cause we're always keep saying feed as much forage as possible. And I know there's different strategies and we don't have enough time to go into all of it, but what would you tell an owner with a horse like this? Like, okay, to, to optimize their health, but we need to drop weight. How would you, I guess, attack your feeding strat? What would be your feeding strategy with 10 pounds of hay per day for, for this, this horse? Sure. A couple of things here. One, this is not long-term. This is taking a horse who's really obese, getting her to a healthy weight. And now that she's closer at healthy at that 30 days, we're still restricting her hay, but we're starting to add some back because now she's in the healthy range. So she needed to lose a little bit more, but we start bumping up the hay to that level that she'll then maintain. In addition to that, like I said, multiple small meals per day, slow feed nets are a great way to extend the amount of time eating them. So in most situations, I'm definitely saying let's feed as much hay as possible for your healthy horse. I want it to be at least one and a half percent of body weight. But for this particular horse, there was definitely a need to help her lose weight and get her in that healthy range. So we restrict her hay for a short amount of time and then slowly bump it back up. She's definitely one that's never going to be on free choice hay though, just because she has that slower metabolism. She's the easy keeper, but ulcers certainly are a concern. So that's one thing that you have to balance when you're restricting hay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, so many concerns. So always feel free to reach out if, if you do have some concerns. So after 30 days, she dropped her, her body condition score, her crest came down, crest neck score came down. Then she started treatment, right? So can you just briefly talk about what the treatment is? I know this isn't, you know, a veterinarian show, but, you know, how does that influence dietary concerns? Because does that mean I still have to alter their diet or should I just not be concerned if they're getting uh, treatment? Great question. So Prescend is the drug that's used uh, or Paraglide is another term you might hear it referred by. And that's really helping control the levels of those hormones that aren't being released properly anymore because of that pituitary dysfunction. That does not mean that we should still let her remain obese because she does have this huge risk of developing insulin resistance. And in fact, because she's already cushing, she's even at greater risk of developing insulin resistance, which certainly increases her likelihood of laminitis. So you know, it helps control the Cushing's part. It's not helpful to just leave her diet the same and just hope that things turn out okay. You know, one thing that does happen, some horses, when they start percent, their intake backs off. It didn't happen with this particular horse. But if you have a horse, for example, that is Cushing's and it starts on medication, one of the things your vet will work through with you is they will tell you if your horse backs off its feed, 
reach out to me and through your veterinarian, you guys would adjust the dosage to find that level that maintains those hormones, ACTH specifically, but also allows them to keep eating. Not something that happens with every single horse, but that is something that you may have to tackle with a Cushing's horse. Now you mentioned insulin resistance. So why with Asia, could she still develop it at, at this at this point in her life? Because she's she's an aged mare, you know, in her 20s. And why is that a concern, I guess, coupled with Cushing's? So where is that going to come in to, to affect her? Sure. So right now we really don't understand why insulin and resistance and Cushing's go together so often. However, there is some link between the two. So simply based on age, as she gets older, she has higher risk factors to develop insulin resistance. Her body weight and her previous diet were both risk factors to developing insulin resistance. So unfortunately, there's no way that I can tell if this mare will develop insulin resistance. I will tell you, if I own the horse, I would have routine blood work set up with my veterinarian to monitor her moving forward. Because we know she has all of those risk factors. So let's stay ahead of it and be aware just as part of our yearly wellness program that continued testing. Again, if you know that it's there, you can help impact it better. So I might not be quite as concerned about super intensively testing my hay on a horse who is Cushing's but not insulin resistant. But I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind that it is definitely a risk factor moving forward. And I would certainly be more likely to do more significant hay testing, different things like that if I know they're insulin resistant. So option A, you can just move forward as if they are insulin resistant and manage them as such because she has that Cushing's diagnosis and also just has all those other risk factors. Option B, you can just stay up with the blood work so you can catch it early if it happens. Because laminitis, it's it's such a horrible process. Um, you know, basically the horse has all this inflammation in the hoof. There's nowhere for that inflammation to go because it's in that capsule. It's incredibly painful. So all we're really looking at are these risk management strategies to avoid that and keep the horse healthy and happy as long as possible. And, you know, there are cases where even with perfect management, a horse still might develop laminitis because of their disease process. But I know that everyone listening to this, they care so much about their horses that they're going to do everything they can to help prevent any negative outcome like that. So for me, it's just a management and it's looking at risk. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Horse owners are, are definitely always, always getting educated, looking for all the latest information. Uh, very, again, they're very well educated. So a fascinating case study, Asia, and she's doing well today, right? I'm sure she is. She's, she's doing fine. Asia is doing really well today. Uh, Thankfully, you know, we've been able to keep the weight off of her. She didn't need to stay on that 1% of body weight hay per day. It was bumped up to find that level that she maintained that healthy body condition. So for these horses, you know, an exercise plan, a ration balancer like Essential K or Wholesome Blends Balancer, and then just being mindful of the calories that are coming from the forage portion of their diet is the best way to manage them moving forward. Uh, it's, I, I love these case studies. I, uh, I I can't wait for the next one next month, but good job on Asia and, and she's doing wonderful. For our listeners, thank you for listening. Again, we always ask if you can share this podcast with your friends. 
uh, on social media. We really appreciate it. If you can subscribe, rate, and review, we really appreciate it. And most importantly, if you have any questions, go to the show notes. There's a link and you can talk to one of the tribute team and they will help you formulate diets, answer any questions you have about this topic or any other topic. But thank you so much for listening. All right. Thank you, guys.